All right, it's good to be here with you tonight. I met a couple of people that um, were new to me I had not met, so nice to meet them. And um, I was thinking two days ago, I've met your pastor, Pastor Hammett Sr., that was, years ago through John Graff, I think it was. And I came out and preached, and you guys partnered with us. But I really didn't get to know your church until I got to know the Hall family. They came over with two little, how many, how many kids did you have then? You had Ben and Nina, right? Yeah. Did you only have the two with you? Yeah, but yeah, I remember them running on the castle walls and having, yeah, I met the Halls, really. And now Brother Hall's with the Lord. I'm sorry to hear about your loss, but it's his gain, amen? I guarantee you that. Um, but time just goes fast. Let me tell you, um, honestly, the time for thinking about what you're going to do for the Lord is over. You just need to really get busy for the Lord because time just goes so fast. I, I just, I can't even believe. I was saying, I heard the other day, we have RSV and the whatever, 20,000, COVID 20,000, whatever the latest virus they got going. And um, the swine flu is still around. I know I got it about three weeks ago and it hit me pretty hard. Um, no hospital stuff or anything. Just, it really knocked me back. But I was thinking, somebody was talking in the church. We have two nurses in the church plant. And they're talking about RSV, you know, for you older people, you need to watch out. And they were saying 60. And I realized I'm 58 years old. I don't feel like 58 years old. I still feel like the guy that played football in Europe, amen? I still feel like I can do all that, but the body doesn't think that anymore. So let me just get in. I, I want to be respectful of time. I understand we have meetings in every, every place I've ever started a church. We'll have revival meetings, missions conferences. We had our first missions conference in the church plant, and they, they raised um, $1,000 a month to give to missions. And we took on three missionaries, church planters. And um, so they're, they're doing very well. But I'll just give you a quick update because if I remember correctly, don't be angry if I'm wrong, but I think you guys had a lot of sickness going around when I was scheduled and pastor was so gracious to give me the option not to come around that. And I took it. And, um, but it's been a while. It's been a while. And so let me give you a quick update. We finished up in Nova Scotia. I believe you partner with Paul Burbage, right? Okay. And so Brother Burbage took that work and He's taken it forward, and I, I won't tell you what his plans are. That's between you and him and um, him as a church planner. But, but um, it's doing well. Um, I know they, they lost a little bit, and now they're back on the upswing. COVID was really hard. We came out of tail end of that out of Canada. We were meeting like in Red China. We really were. Um, we had to have a secret knock and had to get in because if you got caught in Canada meeting, out in public, and we did two weeks of not meeting, and I'm going to talk about the authority of Christ tonight. He is our authority, not the government, and so we, we fell for it for two weeks. We thought we'll let it ride, see what happens, and man, we, we came. They, they weren't going to let that go. Canada was brutal, and so it was a 2000 U.S. dollar fine per person, per incident, if you got caught meeting, but we met anyways. And so we came back from that. We went on a short furlough, and that's when we were going to be here. And I really felt like the Lord was leading me to start a church. And if you know Brother Males, I've been around a few places in my day. Um, but I really felt like the Lord wanted me to start a church in southeastern Ohio. And so I'll give you the quick update, and I can, you can ask me anything you want this week. 
But we went ahead and started out uh, by renting. We couldn't find anywhere to rent. It's a small town, New Matamoros. And so we finally, somebody told me, hey, the Presbyterian church is dead. So go talk to them. So we went to the Presbyterian preacher and he said, man, we'd love to have you rent the building. I said, well, we're not associating with you. I said, we just want to rent your building, pure financial decision. I said, um, we're not going to be having joint services. No, he said, no, I understand you independent Baptists. You guys don't want to mix, mix with anybody. He said, but we could use the money. They're running about six people. And um, one of those is an elderly man, and three of his kids come, and when he dies, they've already made it clear they're done. So the church is dying. The assembly is dying. And so we got the building for $100 a week, no utilities, and um, we've tried to help fix up the building some. But the Lord just started blessing from day one. The first time we began to meet, we started with Brother Mike McDowell, who came out and preached a uh, Revival, an evangelistic meeting for us. If you know Brother McDowell, he pastors where Brother Kirtman used to pastor in Missouri. And so he came out with some young people, and we had good meetings. From day one, from the very first meeting, we had people, and we've had people ever since. And we have a, a unique combination of people that have come out of the hills. Um, I don't know where they're coming from, but we're running around 3540 right now, and they come from everywhere. And their Presbyterian background, their Methodist background. Some, now, if you know Brother Males, you know I'm a Baptist, raised a Catholic, got saved, came out of the, the, uh, the whore of Revelation, amen, and, and became a Baptist, amen. Um, and so let me just say to you, I believe the Bible, if someone is saved, they will respond to truth. I believe that. Amen. And so we started preaching the truth. We have doctrine class at four o'clock on Sunday, we have Sunday evening service and we have a Wednesday evening service and I teach the whole time. And we're getting ready to have our first baptism as soon as it warms up a little bit. We're gonna have our first baptism. We have two people that got saved in the last seven months and we have probably about five other people that wanna be baptized scripturally that were saved, but they were under immersion, but it was not New Testament. Baptist immersion. Amen. And so we've been teaching them the word of God. I've even taught them on the bride of Christ, which I thought they'd all leave after we got to that subject. Amen. But they're there and they're, they're seeing it. You know, the Bible's not hard to understand if you're saved. Amen. And so I want to talk to you tonight about the book of Acts, just about something. We're going to talk tonight on um, th three things tonight, tomorrow and Friday. I want to talk to you about getting our focus back on the things that Christ wants us to focus on. And to be honest with you, that focus is all centered around Jesus Christ. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter one and um, we're gonna get preaching tonight. I'm glad I still can see. Yeah, with those on, I can't. Um, if I take these on and off, I get dizzy with these on looking at you. They're just reading glasses. So I have to take them on and off. I tried bifocals. That didn't work too good either, amen. I just maybe pray the Lord would heal my eyes would be the best thing. But Acts chapter 1, and we're going to go ahead, and I'm going to be respectful of time tonight, so let's get right into this, and let's go ahead and stand for the reading of the Word of God, if you'd stand with me tonight, if you're able to, if you're able to. And we're going to read down verse number 1, down through verse 
number 11. So Acts chapter 1, verse 11. I'm going to preach three messages out of this chapter for the next few nights. And then Sunday we'll go a little bit different direction as the Lord's leading. Amen? All right, the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, if you're following along there, verse number 1, he says, The former treaties have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Aren't you glad of that? Amen. Amen. Being seen of them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now to you that may be a funny question, but to a bunch of Jews that have seen Messiah come, that's the natural next thing in their agenda. Amen? And so he says, are you going to restore the kingdom now? But Jesus says, and we know this verse, it's commonly used in missions, but ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall show, so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. I want you to pay attention to verse 11. Why stand ye gazing? Their focus is on something, something marvelous, but it's not on what it should be. And so we're going to talk about that tonight, tomorrow night, and Friday. Let's have a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, I pray tonight that the presence and the power of the Spirit of the living God would be in this place tonight. Lord, I'm pretty excited about starting a church where we're at. I've always been excited about every church plant that we've been involved in. And to be honest with you, Lord, I've been quite happy to stay in southern Ohio and be preaching tonight there. But Lord, this is your will. Pastor asked me to pray about this, and I believe you want me here. And so, Lord, I pray you'd use me now. I didn't come here just to see friends and old acquaintances, Father. I came to preach the word of God. And so, Lord, I need you tonight. And I pray that if there be one here tonight and through this week that is not saved, that they would see their need, that the Spirit of God would bring them them to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for us that our hearts would be stirred. I don't know, really, there's not much you could preach to a church like Lehigh Valley Baptist. Their record's impeccable, Lord. They've, from Pastor Doug early on to Pastor Ronnie, Lord, they've sent out men throughout this world. This church has always been very faithful, never missed, Lord, in their partnership financially. I believe they pray for us that they partnership with, Lord. What would you teach them tonight that they don't know?
And so, Lord, all I can do is rely on you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I want to talk to you tonight. We're going to talk about getting our focus back on some things that I believe the apostles here get their focus off of. And so the story here is very simple. Jesus has been with his church for about 40 days now. He's, already, he's obviously already risen from the grave. And like the Bible says, after his passion, after his resurrection, by many infallible proofs, there was no doubt. If you took Jesus Christ, and we'll talk about this probably a little bit more tonight, but if you took Christ and the account of Christ and all the eyewitnesses, there is no court of law unless it's corrupt that would not come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is who he says he was, amen. He is God who became flesh and died on a cross and rose the third day. And so here they have their meeting with him. It's right before he's about to ascend. That all happens in the context. And we find here, it's interesting because Jesus, I believe he's refocusing them on some things. And we're gonna find that in these early scriptures in the first few scriptures of Acts chapter one. But I believe as he's kind of refocusing them, he's kind of giving them the marching orders again. He's telling them what's to come and what they're going to do and what their purpose is. Right away, their focus gets off. Right away, the apostles start talking about, well, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? Are you going to do it? Are you going to kick these Romans out and restore the throne of David? And that's something that a Jew would look forward to. I look forward to that, don't you? Amen. But that's not what the purpose was. And then we come right into this verse that we know famously as a missions verse, but ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the And they did that, and they did that. We're gonna see some of that over the next few days. But I want you to notice right away, Jesus ascends, he goes to the right hand of the Father, and what are they doing? Jesus said, hey, you're gonna go back to Jerusalem and you're gonna wait, something Baptists don't like to do. You're gonna wait on me. You're gonna wait on the things that the Father has. You're gonna wait for the empowering of the Holy Ghost. And instead of doing that, what are they doing? They're standing around gazing. I believe these are two angels, men in white. And they come down and they say, hey, why are you standing here gazing? Why are you gazing up into the heavens, amen? You know what? It's not said here, but it's implied. I think what they're saying is, get back to Jerusalem like he told you and wait for the promise of the Father and get your focus back on the things that Christ wants you to focus on. So I want to talk about focus tonight. Number one, and we're going to talk about this tonight, just one thing tonight, another thing tomorrow. You ever preach a message, brother, a couple of messages, and even though it's a little bit of a series, maybe the second or third one you're kind of more excited about than the first one. I don't know, maybe you're not like that, but I am. And so I got to watch because tomorrow night I'm going to preach a little bit more enthusiastic, maybe. Amen? I'm going to get a little excited. Is that okay to get excited about the things of the Lord? All right. So tonight what we're going to talk about is we need to get our focus, number one, tonight, back on the authority of Jesus Christ. 
And you may think, well, I'm in a good church. We stand for doctrine. We stand for the word of God. We do things right. And I would agree with that, knowing this church. But I'm going to show you in the Bible tonight that it's very easy for good churches to get their eyes off of the authority of Jesus Christ. It's very easy for us to start trying to do things the way we want to do it, and we become the authority and not Jesus Christ. Christ. But I want you to notice verse 1, 2, and 3 here. Notice with me. He says this, the former treaties have I made, O Theopolis. Now, by the way, I've got two points tonight. That means short preaching for Brother Males, right? Usually he's got three or four or five. So only two. So it's not going to take that long. So hang with me and listen. Amen. Now, here we go. The former treaties have I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Amen. So he started his church, he began his ministry, it's his, amen? But look what he says. Under the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given, what's that word? Commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, which is his church, amen? Now look what he says in verse number four. He said, in being assembled together with them, what did he do? commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Now, did they do that? Did they go immediately back to Jerusalem? No. They're gazing up into the heavens. Are they thinking of these things that Jesus mentions and that he's commanding them to do and giving his instruction to his church? Not their church, his church, amen. Are they doing that? No. In fact, they're worried about the restoration of the kingdom. We're living in a day like that today when things are starting to heat up and it's not getting easier to be a Christian and it's coming to our shores. When 9-11 happened, they say that was the first time we ever had war on our shores. Well, friend, I'm gonna tell you something, Christian. All throughout this world and all these flags you see, There is more martyrdom in the name of Christ today throughout this world. We just so happen to still be living in a place as bad as it's already gotten and as bad as it seems like it's getting. We still live in a place where we have somewhat freedom to live and serve the Lord. But I'm telling you that's coming to an end. And when that happens and as persecution comes, if we're not careful, we get our eyes on the coming of the Lord. And all we think about is Jesus coming. But I'm telling you, we have have a job to do while we are here. We're not to occupy. We're not to hold a fort till he's coming. We're to be aggressively going out, following the leadership of the Spirit of God, and witnessing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the authority. I want to give you two thoughts, and notice with me. First of all, we need to focus on his authority. First of all, his authority over his New Testament church. This is not your church. This is not the Hamish church. This is the Lord Jesus Christ church. And if it is not his church, then you need to find another church, Amen? amen? This is the Lord's church. I want you to notice with me here, he says, being assembled with them, he gave them commandments, amen? For someone to give a commandment, that has to, it has to imply authority. If you ever got a new job and you start working at the job and you find that, that there's always, and there's always this little pipsqueak guy or girl that's gonna tell everybody what to do. 
And you start working there and you're getting, they're telling you, you need to do this, you need to do that. And finally, you might get the courage to say, hey, someone else, who is that? Is that a manager? And they say, no, that's just, she's just a general worker like we are. And you know what happens when you find out that they don't have authority to tell you what to do? It goes in one ear and out the other. But my friend, let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ commanded his church, and we still have those commands called the word of God, he had authority. He is the authority. Let me show you, first of all, his authority is absolute. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. His authority is absolute. Ephesians chapter 1. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 17 through 23. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 17. If you're there, you can follow along. He says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Why? Why do we need that? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the what? Hope. The expectation of your calling. Do you even know why God saved you? The Bible tells you why he saved you. He saved you not to give you a liberty that the world talks about or the new evangelicals talk about where you're saved, you're not under the law, do what you want to do. We are saved, amen, to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Now look what he says. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the what? Authority, amen. The head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And you'll sit back and you'll say, amen, preacher, I agree with that. But let me remind you of the apostles here. Go to Matthew chapter 17, and let me remind you of a story that happened that used to, it used to really fascinate me that even to be there with Christ, amen? But go to Matthew chapter 17. Here's the problem. We get very Laodicean. We think we're rich and increased with goods, and we have need of nothing. And we think because the doctrine's right, and we're the right kind of Baptist, and everything falls in line, that we are right with God. But I tell you, my friends, God is not impressed with that as much as he is with the heart that is right with him. And when the heart is right with him, everything else lines up. But you can have doctrine, and you can have the right stance. You can have the right teaching, amen. You can have the right practices, and yet dethrone Christ. Let me show you what happens here. Go to Matthew chapter 17, if you will. Matthew chapter 17. And notice what happens here. You remember the story of the transfiguration? And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a higher, a high mountain apart. Now, what are we talking about? His authority is absolute. Look at this. And was transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, 
talking with him. Okay, everything's pretty good so far. Would you agree? Would you agree with that? Everything's pretty good so far. I mean, Peter, James, and John, that inner circle. Jesus takes them up, and he allows them to see himself transfigured. Moses, Elias come to talk with Christ. They're talking. Everything's great. But then something happens. Look with me in verse number four. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Did you get what he said? It's good for us to be here. Why is it good for us to be here? He said, let us make here three tabernacles, one, of the, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, now here's the problem. Does Moses and Elias, are they on the same level with Jesus Christ? Talk to me tonight. No. Are, do they, do, what's a tabernacle for? What are you going to do with the tabernacle? You're going to worship. Do you know what Peter did in the, just a simple couple sentence? In one sentence, you know what he did? He just put Moses and Elias on the same level of Jesus Christ. Does that fly with God? No, look what he says here. He says in verse number five, while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and behold the voice out of the cloud and said what? What does the father say? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. You see, Jesus Christ's authority is absolute. It's absolute. Here you have these men They're seeing something that you and I will never see until we see the Lord one day in glory. But we'll never see this on earth. We weren't there. Not all the disciples had this privilege. And they're seeing the Lord Jesus Christ transfigured in holiness, amen. And as he's standing there as the transfigured Christ and Moses and Elias come down, Peter decides that he's gonna put them on the same level. He's gonna give others authority that they don't deserve and that they don't have. And you know what happens? The Father puts the cloud over the whole thing and Bible says when the cloud lifts, the Father says what? This is my son whom I'm pleased with Not Moses, Elias, but hear him. If we're not careful, we forget that Jesus Christ's authority in his church is absolute. Not the government, not what men say, not what books say. His authority is absolute in the church. Not only that, but look at this. What about his authority is non-negotiable? Now, over in Mark chapter 7, I want to take you there, and then we're going to skip over another area. But I want to show you something here. Mark chapter 7. I've tried to explain to people before that the Jews, the Pharisees, I think sometimes we get really upset with the Pharisees, but you got to understand a lot of the things the Pharisees were bringing up, like, like not eating on the Sabbath, amen? Not picking corn on the Sabbath. They were getting that from Mosaic law. Now, their heart was the problem, Amen? It's not that everything they stood for was wrong. Judaism is not of the devil. You know that, right? Judaism was given to Israel by God. The problem is Israel, and you as a Gentile should be very happy about this, because of their unbelief and because of their heart being hardened, the Gospels went to the Gentiles, amen? And so the whole earth now has heard the truth. And I believe that was always God's plan. I don't believe it was plan B. I believe that was God's plan, amen? 
But here today, we have, if, in, in Mark chapter 7, Jesus is addressing the Pharisees. Why? Not so much of the, the law that he's dealing with here, but he's addressing them because they become the authority of how this is applied. Look what he says here in Mark chapter 7. You say, what does this have to do with missions, Brother Mills? It has everything to do with missions because we have a lot of people that are Baptists that are doing a lot of things in the name of missions that is not scriptural, amen? Jesus Christ is the authority. Mark chapter 7, look here with me in verse number 8. He says this in verse 7, actually, how be it in vain do they worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So they had gotten to the point where they're setting aside the word of God and they're teaching the doctrines of men. But he says, for laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own what? Do you think Baptists have traditions? Do you? I guarantee you we do. You got to be careful, amen? Well, we can twist scripture sometimes with the best of them, amen, to make our tradition fit. Look what he says. For Moses said, honor thy father and mother, and whoso curseth father and mother, let him die the death. That's Mosaic law. But look at verse 11. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say, a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. So they take a, true, a law that's very straightforward, and if they get a gift, they're willing to change the outcome. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother. Making the word of God of what? None effect. Through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. Now, I want to take you back to Matthew chapter 16. I want you to show you something here and we'll move on. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus' authority in his church is absolute. Jesus' authority in the church is non-negotiable. You know why that didn't fly with Christ, the Pharisees' attitude about the law? They were changing the law according to their desire, and they became the authority. Well, let me show you this happens even in the New Testament church. Matthew chapter 16. How many of you love Matthew 16? Amen. Are you Baptist? Amen. Why aren't you a Catholic? You know what I taught them in, in this Presbyterians, Methodists, and Church of Christ? You know what I told them? I said, where did those churches come from? And we went through the whole line. And they came from the great whore, amen? They came out of Rome. And I said, then what would they be? I said, they're daughters of the great whore. And they said, we get it, preacher. No one ever taught us this before. You know what? I said, listen, if, 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 if just going to church and it doesn't matter where you go, if that's the way it is, amen, then who cares if you're a Baptist Presbyterian? But I want to go to the church that Jesus started, amen? amen? But in the church that Jesus started, and here it is, Matthew 16. Watch what happens here. This has always amazed me. How can you go from the spirit, a spirit-led statement that is clearly of the Lord to jumping in the flesh? Have you ever done that? Look what he says. He says in verse 18, but I say unto also unto thee that thou art Peter. What did he say? He says, um, where are we at? And Simon Peter, verse 16, answered and said, thou art the what? 
Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father which is in heaven. He didn't figure this out. It wasn't because Peter was the smartest cookie in the batch. It wasn't because he was the brightest bulb in the pack. This was given to him by the spirit of God. You get that? And in a profound, I mean, if he got up and said that before, and he said it right in front of the whole church, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. You're the Christ, you're Messiah. And everybody's probably saying to themselves, man, why didn't I think of that, amen? And Jesus said, hey, you're blessed. You know why you're blessed, Simon? Because flesh and blood haven't revealed this to you, but my Father has revealed this to you. And he goes from that spiritual mountaintop, and look what happens. Go with me down to verse Number 20, he says this, then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples. It's almost like they didn't get over this, did they? Because what did they ask him in Acts 1? Are you gonna restore the kingdom? They just couldn't get over it. Look at this. He said he began to show his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem. Wait a minute, Messiah entering through the eastern gate and set reestablishing the throne of David. This doesn't fit into that, does it? And suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him. Look, what's he say? Peter took him and what? Began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then Jesus took, then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So I want you to understand tonight, the authority of Jesus Christ, as much as Peter thought that he would rebuke the Messiah, the very one that moments before, through the Spirit of God, through the Father's leadership, he had made this profound profession absolutely biblically true. You are the Christ. You're the Messiah. Everything's going good. And then when things don't go the way Peter thinks they should go, when results aren't what he thinks they ought to be, he's going to rebuke Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, and tell him how and what he's going to do. And you know what Jesus says? Get thee behind me, Satan. If you don't think the devil works in our churches to try to dethrone the authority of Jesus Christ, then you're a fool and you're not listening. You're not looking around you. The devil's always, preacher preaches a message and you get that little thought in your head. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. It doesn't matter what a preacher says. It doesn't matter what his authority is. But if it's the word of God that he's preaching, then Jesus is the authority. He is the authority. His authority is absolute. It's non-negotiable, friend. And I'll tell you through the week how this applies to missions. I'll tell you exactly how it applies. I don't think we have time tonight to go into how this applies totally to missions. But I will tell you, the more I've studied this Bible and missions in this Bible and how churches were planted in this Bible, the more I see man continually trying to bring in tradition, some kind, we're always looking for some kind of newfangled idea that's gonna work and be the big wow. And then we'll see results. 
Here's a man telling you tonight, I've been there. I can say this, amen. Here's a man in his broken voice trying to tell you, hey, we're not seeing the results that we'd like to see, but pray for us because the Bible says that we're gonna reap in due time. Listen, friend, the will of God is for the church planner to do the will of God and God gives the results. Why? Because he's the authority. He's the authority. Let me say this, his authority is not shared. You can't share. Jesus doesn't share his authority with a pastor. Jesus doesn't share his authority with deacons. He doesn't share his authority with anyone. Go with me over to Revelation chapter 2. And then we're going to finish here in just a moment. Revelation chapter 2. I will tell you that missions does work still. It absolutely does. Sunday, Lord willing, I'm gonna preach on the power of missions. And you know what it is? Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. God still works. And God's word still works. We need to rethink maybe some of the thinking that we have that a church has to be a hundred people to be a real church. Maybe we need to just rethink that when Paul wrote to many of the churches in the New Testament, he said, and greet the church that is in thy house, amen. Maybe we need to rethink things and get back to a literal Bible view of things and maybe we'll find that God's not dead and God's not stopped working and Jesus Christ, when he's left at authority and we don't try to fight his authority, It works, amen? Revelation chapter two, let me show you this. First, Revelation 19, I'm sorry. Revelation 19, well, hold Revelation 19, we'll come back there. Go to Revelation chapter two. I was just preaching through the seven churches of Asia Minor, amen? Revelation one through three, just preaching through that about six months ago. And I came across the church at Ephesus and I found this interesting. Do you remember what the candlesticks represented? The stars were the pastors, amen? But the candlesticks represent the church itself, amen? I want you to think about that. Did did you ever read, you've studied, I know your pastor's taught on these churches, probably Brother Chris has too many times, but there's a lot of bad things going on in some of these churches. I mean, these churches are pretty wicked, some of them. But I want you to notice what Jesus says here. Look at this. And under the angel of the church, of Ephesus, right? These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Why does he walk in the midst of them? Because it's his churches. And he's the authority. Look at this. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are. Now let's think about this church, right? You leave the Lehigh Valley area and you move somewhere which I strongly recommend that if you move somewhere and the Lord's really in it, he'll have a church for you, amen? Yeah, yeah that, that stuff they're praying for, a Baptist church there, I've had a lot of those in the church plants I've done. Those don't always hold up, amen? Because the Baptist church they're thinking of is not the Baptist church of the Bible, amen? But pray for that preacher. I'm telling you, pray for him. Pray for those people they will receive truth. But look at this. So if you go out of Lehigh Valley, and you really believe it's the will of the Lord, and God's leading you to another church, would you like to be a part of this church? The first thing he says is, they can't stand those that bear, that, that, that bear evil. Amen? They don't bear with them. They can't stand evil. Is that a good church? 
Talk to me now tonight. I know we're out east. I got it. We're past the Mason-Dixon line. I got it. But talk to me a little bit. Help me out now, amen? All right? I don't have my wife here. Heather doesn't matter, amen? She's been around longer than Moses, amen? But I don't have my wife here, so you got to help me a little bit. Now, come on. Look at this. He said, how thou canst not bear them which are evil, so they don't like evil. Is that a good thing? Amen? And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles. In other words, false, what? Teachers. And are not, and has found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, cheerful endurance, amen. And for my name's sake has what? Read it with me. Labored. They're working. This church has maybe a bus route. Maybe, I doubt it. They didn't have buses then. This church has a, a visitation program. This church has a kids ministry. This church has everything you and I. Do you think you're better than the church at the Ephesus? Are you doing more than they are? Here's what he says. Good church, amen. And it's labored and it's not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy what? First love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and what? Repent and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. You know what he's saying? It's my church. I'm the one who goes in the midst of the can. I'm the one that goes in the midst of the church. This is my church. This isn't a, a wannabe Baptist church. This is the real deal. And he says, listen, Jesus says, you, you, you work you're, you, don't, you don't get tired. You're, you're, you're long-suffering. You're, 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 you hate those that are evil. You're standing against false teaching and false teachers. I mean, this is a good charge. But he says, one thing's wrong with you. He said, you've left your first love. Who do you think that is? Amen. The authority of Christ. He is not the center of this church. You can have a church that does all the ministry. It has all the programs. It stands in, on the King James Bible and has everything that you would think a good church should have. But if Jesus is not the authority, you won't have a church very long. He is the authority of the church. But let me say this, and we'll be finished here in just about, give me five minutes. He is the authority of his children. And we need to understand that because here's what happens. And I've said this all my life in, in teaching on the church. This is Lehigh Valley Baptist Church. Maybe not everybody here is a member. That's possible. But for the most part, I would think on a Wednesday, a lot of you are members. How many are members of this church? All right. What is a church? Ecclesia. Called out, organized assembly of scripturally baptized believers. This is the assembly. But can I tell you right now? Assembly, if you take them away, take them away, take them away, you wouldn't have an assembly. That's right. So you know what an assembly is? Yeah. You can put a sign out and say Lehigh Valley Baptist Church, and you can stand, have a doctrinal statement, and it'll be dead right down the line. Everything. You can support missions, and you can have all that. And you know what in the midst of an assembly happens? People hide. Mm -hmm. They hide. They get comfortable. 
And they just, they give their missions, they give their tithe, they, they, they come out once in a while with some of the programs, they're here on Sunday nights, they're here on Wednesday nights. But if you're not careful, it's easy to hide in the midst of an assembly, whether it's an assembly of 20 or 1,000. You need to understand, Jesus is not only the authority. Our focus needs to get back on the authority of Christ in his church, but our focus needs to get back on the authority of Christ in our lives. Let me show you here. A church is an assembly made up of individuals. We cannot just hide in the assembly. We are to thrive in the assembly. Amen? Liberty. What is liberty? Liberty in the Bible is God's, in God's word is never defined as do what you want to do. It's, it's freedom to do what he wants us to do. Amen. Let me give you a couple thoughts here and then we'll finish. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. He has authority over the new man. You know, the new man, the Bible talks about him in Colossians, in the book of Romans. The Bible talks about the new man. The Bible talks about putting on, putting off the old man and putting on the new. You know what the the phrase off and on means? Literally means to invest or divest in clothing. It's the idea of with this jacket tonight, which I'm two rounds still, amen, so I'm not going to take it off. But, but this jacket tonight, I can take it off or I can put it on. Do you know that you have a new nature? How many have ever noticed that when you got saved, I mean truly saved, born again, that there's a battle that goes on every day of your life? Amen. Every day of your life. Someone said to me the other day, preacher, you were telling us to pray for you because the devil was really fighting you. I never would have thought that that could happen to you. Brother Ronnie, I don't know where they get that from. Listen, the greatest attack that goes on in a church is between the devil and your preacher, man. The devil wants to discourage your pastor. But we put on, we put off. That's the old man. I was born with an old nature. It hates God. Read Romans chapter 8, verse 7. It's enmity against God, the carnal mind. But you know what isn't? The new man, which Christ has full authority over. The Bible tells you the natural man will not receive the things of God. They're foolishness, and they're not subject to the law of God. You know why? You can't, you can't legislate morality in lost people. You can, put a, you can put a dress on a lady. You can put a tie on a man. That doesn't make them morally right in here. You can't legislate morality. There has to be a change, a desire. There has to be a nature, a will to serve God. Well, you know what God did when he saved you? He gave you a brand new nature. And is the authority over it. Look at this, Ephesians 2. What does the Bible say happened the day that I got saved? I think this is a glorious verse. For by grace, God's divine influence, are you saved through what? Faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why? For we are his what? Workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Why? Why did God save us? Unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let me say this. He's created in us a new man, but it's a perfect man. Jump over to Ephesians 4 here. Let me give you these scriptures. Ephesians 4, verse 17. Ephesians 4, 17. And I want to give you one more scripture and we'll be done tonight. He says in verse 17, This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of, your, of their mind. 
having the understand their understanding the understanding darkened being alienated from the what life of god through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart for being past feeling have who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to walk all to work all uncleanness with greediness but ye have not so learned christ amen if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught of him and as as the truth is in Jesus that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old lifestyle amen of the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in what righteousness, and what? True holiness. I'm going to give you another thought, and then we're going to be done. I'm going to bring it together. Go to Galatians chapter 5. While you're turning to Galatians 5, let me just say this. I don't have the time to go expound as much as I'd love on this subject, but we're living in a day where it's creeping into our independent Baptist churches that it's all about we're not under the law um, we're liberty in Christ. We use all these buzzwords, Bible words, but we don't understand what we're talking about. Do you know what liberty in Christ is? This is it. I'm going to show it to you. This is what liberty. You know what? When God saved me at 13 years old, and at 15 years old, the Spirit of God, I was in church, I was growing in the Word. I actually, unfortunately, get around some mature Christians and they can put a real damper on your enthusiasm. Amen. But at 15 years old, the Spirit of God, I thought I was going to play football, and if that didn't work, I was going to go be an airplane pilot. But you know what? The Spirit of God, who saved me, God saved me, changed my life. He made me free in Christ. He took me from the bondage of sin and death and hell, and he gave me a brand new life. And you know what he did at 15 years old? When the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to preach the word of God. You know what? I didn't look at that as a drudgery. I didn't fight the Lord on that. Why? Because I had been saved for that very purpose, to be liberty in Christ and to serve God. Here's what he says, and we're done. Galatians chapter 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us, what? Free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Boy, we get in our minds, we can't get out of our minds, that we, we get this idea like the apostles. It's all about do, 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 do. And pretty soon we're just robots without any heart. That's not what it's about. We are free in Christ, what? To follow the Spirit of God and to serve him. Look what he says here in verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Now I want to show you one more scripture and I'm going to finish this. Go to Revelation 19. Revelation 19. And I hope honestly this is Going home tonight, I really do. So here you have the apostles. We'll finish with this. Here you have the apostles, Acts chapter 1. Before you even get to the great verse, but 
After, after, but after that, you receive power of the Holy Ghost. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of it. Before you even get to that great missions verse, he's asserting things. He's giving commandments. The focus is to be on the authority of Christ. You'll never do this. You'll never do what he's commanded you to do if he's not the authority. You'll never accomplish it. And so we deal with focus. What focus? Well, we need to focus on his authority. And I'm going to show you why. Look at Revelation 19. Let's just read this and we're done. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia. And, her, sm and their, her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the, and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God. That sat on the throne saying, Amen. Alleluia. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants. And, that, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints." And he goes on down, and as you read down, he gets down to, let's just read verse 10 and 11. And I fell at his feet. John says, I fell at his feet. This is to the messenger that is giving the message. He said, I fell down at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, see thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon, upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Say, so what, what does that have to do with what you're preaching about? I'll tell you what. You've got the whole host of heaven. I just taught on the bride of Christ, and I showed him. Not everybody in heaven's part of the bride. That's what the verse says there. You got Old Testament saints. You got the bride, which I believe is his church, amen? Faithful bride. You've got, you've got by this time, you've got Spurgeons there. By this time, we're there, amen? All the greatest preachers you've ever heard preach. They thought, man, they are, man, I can listen to them all night. All these people are in heaven. You're there if you're saved tonight. But there is only one person that gets glory. There is only one person that is in authority. And there is only one person that it's all about. Amen. It is about Jesus Christ. Amen. We must get our focus back on the authority of Jesus Christ. This is his church. I'm not starting my church or Cleveland Baptist Church. I'm starting the Lord's church. I'm the human instrument, as Paul said. Paul said, man, I, 
Paul watered, Paulus sowed seed, God gave the increase, amen? It is about him. There will be no accolades in heaven, zero, because even the rewards we get, even those crowns will be cast at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I encourage you tonight, before you get all excited about, and we need to get excited about taking this gospel through the world, they said in John chapter 12, with the Greeks, I believe it was, they said, sir, we, we will see Jesus. How can you show someone Jesus if your focus isn't on him in the first place? If he's not your authority, then you're not going to listen to him when he leads you to open your mouth and speak of him. Amen. So let me encourage you tonight, church. Let's get our focus. Let's quit gazing and waiting. I, I hate that song, Hold the Fort for I Am I hope you don't sing that here. I hate, I hate that song. The church is not on defense. We're on the attack. I hate that song. That was written by a Protestant. Guarantee you. They're on the defense. We're not. You can sing it all you want. It's your church. Well, it's the Lord's church, all right? But I'm telling you why I don't sing it. We need to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. But the problem is, if we're not careful in the last days, it's easy to get our eyes gazing, talking about the return of the Lord. And that's good things. It's good things. It's Bible. But man, let's get our focus back on his authority. Not what is Lehi going to do for missions this year. What are you going to do? What are you going to do as a member of this assembly? Will your focus be on the present, on the things that are important to you, or will your focus be on his authority? Preacher, you come.